0: The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. It's to the short side! Oh, it's gone to the short side! It's gone to the trailer! And the
1: trailer! I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. Hi Rob, Zeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. And Ringrose comes through. Oh! brilliant from Ringrose. Ringrose is going here. What a score!
2: You're welcome to The Hard Yards, I'm Andy McGeady, we have a busy show for you again today and I'm joined by our trusty studio duo of Pat McCarry. Hey, how are you? And James Downey Morning I uh, like duo Yeah Me yeah. and you <laughs> My me? crusaders across the table <laughs> from me There you go <laughs> yeah. um, We're also going to be joined on the line by Stephen Ferris a little later in the show we, He might have some words a bit Rugby. <laughs> yeah, some uh, informed, passionate Views, no doubt, from Steve. Yeah. Um, please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all good podcast apps to make sure you get the show straight to your phone. Right. Straight up. Um, a couple of legends of Irish rugby bowed out this weekend, having contributed massively to the game over the years. Firstly, Dunica mm. dunica Callaghan uh, led out Worcester now there is a man who's left a lot on the field for Munster for Ireland uh, for Cork <laughs> um, but yeah what, what, what do we remember about Dunica did, uh,
0: firstly did you see there's actually a great image of Dunica running out into the field with his kids and they're all in each of the jerseys of the teams he's actually played for which is like Cork on and it's the fantastic. Lions and it's brilliant actually wasn't it a great pitcher um, lucky enough I guess to have played with the two lads um, Dunica, geez, what a man to have. Uh, well, one in the dressing room, but what a professional! Like I know people speak about um, people who have been pros, and like you know they leave in front. But Donica was that ultimate professional that got him that far. You know, you look at how how much dedication he put into his like his like he was doing yoga and Pilates way before it was fashionable, and. Just it, it worked because it extended his career so long, and he was yeah. so good and, and and everything he did, but like every day he was in like day off waited day off, and he was always in, and he was always just pushing standards, driving standards and um, yeah he just kind of when he wasn't there you noticed him a lot and I always think that that's a, a big sign of someone um, uh, and, and look Dunnick at the iconic moments he's got plenty of them and one of them be like in his wife front in the red <laughs> red jocks that like,
2: resurfaces every time it does and, and that's the thing I want to I want to get to with Dunnick because as you say there's a man who is probably a little bit ahead of his time even in, in the professional area, but mm. the era but the way he, he kept himself how much was that in contrast to the kind of the public persona which was always it was jokey happy it was go, laugh yeah. exactly happy go lucky but that wasn't the professional no certainly not oh, absolutely not once he was behind,
0: once he was in like cross that cross our white, whitewash, or cross the line for training he was focused and completely serious you know and obviously everyone has this jokey personality and you see him and he's hilarious and he certainly is but Behind that, though, he like he's so driven, you know, and the standards are so high, and he really pushed those standards in training um, for himself. Like he was so, de- as I say, so so dedicated to everything he did. He gave a hundred percent to it. Like and look, like it was like it was so disappointing. for me. like personally, I thought when he left, it was like, oh, no, you know, he, he could have been another one club man, and mm. oh, it was just nearly heartbreaking for him, but. But to have that drive to actually leave that it would, The easy thing for him would have been to finish up at Munster And go well I'm done But he, he had that, 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 that drive to actually want to keep playing He wanted to keep giving back And like it, it, captaincy over in Worcester Just goes to show how highly regarded he was And I'm sure a lot of young players have learned a hell of a lot from him Like you know I, I certainly did when I was there And like he, he's a great bloke And everything he did for Irish rugby is an
2: absolute credit so, number two, John Muldoon. The boots are hung up for good before he treks over to Bristol to become part of the Lamb coaching uh, dynasty, maybe, <laughs> who knows. Uh, your memories of Mul as a player? Um,
0: again, i kind of played with Mul in Connacht in, in my early years as well, I suppose Mul's early years as well. And look, everything he does is. Uh, been from like same with Donegal. Been, been from the province. Been from that area. Um, been a local guy, especially Connacht at the time around whatever two thousand and three, two thousand and four. Um, it's just he encompasses everything about iconic like, rugby. You know, he's the man. He's the the, the flag bearer. When you think of things, uh, when you think Connacht rugby, you think Eric Elwood, John Muldoon. You know, and these are the guys that just stick out straight away. And will lived and died by it for them. And look, I think everyone's like no one's going to be too. Uh, uh, worried or, or, or upset that he's gone to Bristol because he deserves it like it's just a bit of a loss for Connacht Rugby to be honest I th- thought they should have done more but that's another another thing but um, but Mull everything he did like Mr. Connacht you know and like he certainly was and I know people throw that about and band it about but Mull's a great like if, to me he was on and off the field he's he brought everything to it and encompassed everything about Connacht and that is good about rugby and will we ever see these
3: one, one, one club players anymore I don't know
2: Pat, you were off at Muldoon's last game.
3: Yeah, yeah, I headed down to the sports ground for it, and that was it. It was even at the end, like, it took. um, The funny thing about it was. you know we had stayed up in the the, the stand and the, the clan terrace to kind of you know look at Muldoon give a speech and make the lap of honour and stuff and capture all those last few moments and uh, by the time we had got out and it was all finished and Muldoon had walked by all the fans Leinster had already got on the bus and headed off <laughs> they were gone like they were back on the road but uh, yeah then Muldoon was going through and just kind of trying to that type of guy is always trying to give as much time to people as he could and pose them for pictures and it was a long goodbye from but yeah there was a fan like this kind of elderly kind of fan that I saw and he was just kind of I think he was more so saying it to himself than anything he was just like he'll be back he'll be back so like um, they're good at that he's going you know like because he's the like Kieran Keane was even saying he was invaluable in his first year there like he said he needed Muldoon to stick around and he asked him to stick around in his first year and and he was you know he said he'd be forever grateful that he did hang around and play another year but um yeah it's for Connacht to lose someone like that he's spent like 17 seasons there like um but yeah maybe he does need a bit of a break like you know get away for a couple of years and get a bit of experience and under Pat Lamb there's no better man so uh but yeah like Connacht fans would be the, you know first opportunity to get him back they they'd love to have him back I'm sure
0: I, I think as well he's gone over there and it's it's going to be kind of the Ronald O'Gara-esque when guys actually leave the bubble um, of where they've been for their whole careers and I think Donovan might might say something like something similar that you get out of that Munster bubble, you get out of that Irish bubble like there's a whole different world out there and mm-hmm. there's a whole like and there's different ways of doing things and we're very insular in how we look at things in Ireland of course but in the UK you do get a different perspective on things and, and training habits and you're out of that Irish system so for Mull it's only going to be a learning process you know and it's going to be great and there's Conor McPhillips there now as well and you know these players can <coughs> or coaching staff can actually learn so much more and, and bring it back like and look at Prendy as well over and these guys who are learning abroad and Birch is there and they can all come back as well there's always a chance there's always somewhere that they can come back but more to go over and get that education abroad and, and bring it back
2: but there's there's a human dynamic as well to, if you're going to be starting on a coaching career it's going to be probably easier to do it with people who you haven't played with yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. you know because otherwise you're, shift, you're really shifting dynamic but you know as these as these things can happen, that's a phone going off in the studio. It's okay. <laughs> um, the uh, hey, we've seen it before, where mm. a player cannot easily transition into coaching with the same group. Um, but look, listen, uh, as you've both said, best look for John Muldoon. He's left everything out there. Um, but what a way to finish! So yeah. we haven't even talked yeah. about what happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the match. Yeah. The match. <laughs> so forty-seven <47-10, laughs> ten, Leinster absolutely murdered yeah. out west. Uh, fair play to Connacht they played some brilliant stuff
3: yeah it was, it was unbelievable they, they went um, it was strange at half time because there's a periods of around 15 minutes where Leinster were just banging on the, the door trying to get a, a try Carberry got a penalty and then missed another one so it could have been a lot closer but the minutes um i think Tiernan O'Halloran got the intercept from James Lowe and it, it, you got a sense that the party was on here and there was going to be a good send off for Muldoon and and then they just kept coming and it was it was relentless stuff from Connacht and it was it was brilliant to see like it was um you know to, to be able to get to that situation where like as I said like the lads Jack Carty was talking to us at the end and he said they were trying almost like Teddy done and Masino to try to set up Muldoon for a try in in the final stages imagine thinking Leinster coming with like 8 guys yeah. in their squad had won a Grand Slam and they're trying to give Muldoon a try in the last you know 10 minutes of the game and missed out on the try but uh, was able to get a conversion as well then and <laughs> and, and that was it like he kind of said at the end like no no disrespect to, to Leinster like, but, uh, I thought that was interesting
2: Interesting because mm. we've like it's become not a fashion, but we've seen it before now that the retiring player, a forward, go on take a conversion in your last game is a mm. bit of crack. But Muldoon straight after the game made a point of saying, "Look." Apologies for the conversion, no disrespect intended, but sure, no one. I don't think anyone took that,
3: yeah. Yeah, that was it. Like, it was, uh, was saying, like, you had Keen Healy char- out there trying to charge it down, but then that could just be gamesmanship as well. Like, and like, Healy's a, a winner, like, so he doesn't want to see John doing, you know, like taking a conversion as well. So, there was a little bit of there was a few comments on the pitch, but um, nobody would have begrudged. I'm sure like Lencer would look back at it now and they won't think anything of it at all. Like,
0: no, it's, it's actually amazing how you look at players and how they retire, and everyone doesn't get the send off but John Muldoon got the kind of pur- the mm. ideal send off. Like I saw Brian Habana retired as well, and from the sidelines, you know, and like he wasn't involved. And <clears throat> not everyone gets that glory day that O'Driscoll got, but it's like, look at that's like that's textbook for all. You know, mm. it's like going on, beating Leinster, hammer Leinster, and get a conversion. You know, it's <laughs> ideal.
2: And if, and if you didn't get a chance to watch the game at the time or see highlights, go back and watch highlights. connect were fantastic, yeah. and um, the Adele uh, <clears throat> try from uh, Delahun's offload. That's after Farrell's initial break that offload is fantastic you yeah. can actually hear on the replays the connect <laughs> crowd at the time after you, each replay it just gets better it's amazing and from a hooker
3: yeah Brilliant. yeah. Uh, they was it the uh, like Del Hunter. this it's, it's one you know you, you've you heard of him you've kind of seen him a couple of times but you see him in the flesh and best game I think he's ever you might even tell himself that he ever played like um, making turnovers and he had made I think the line break for the first try from Adi Alokan as well he had made that line break then made another he turned over Max Deegan to start that try like he got the turnover won that 20 seconds later he's out on the right wing this hooker yeah, and he knew exactly what he was
2: doing like you know just falling down Back of the hand Ah oh, Absolutely beautiful um, But yeah well done Connick You never know They might sell a couple more season tickets After a performance mm, like that you know, Yeah really really good um, I think we've got Stephen Ferris Lined up on the line
1: How you doing guys Yeah I'm good thanks
2: Yeah um, Will we talk about Ulster Rugby We probably should With Fez
1: yeah, it depends what, depends what you're going to talk about, lads, to be
2: honest with you. <laughs> um, it, was all, it was all looking pretty good at half-time down in Thomond. Uh, th- again, for anyone who wasn't quite paying attention last weekend, Ulster needed to go to Thomond and get a bonus point win, and there were three, three tries up at half-time. Everything was looking pretty good, Fez.
1: Yeah, it was, and um, they completely dominated the Munster pack in the first half. I think the young tight head Brian Scott I think his name is He's got a, a bit of a pasting from Colin Black who's unfortunately leaving Ulster at the end of the season and just showed what a what a class prop he is at loose head and um, they just took it to the Munster pack up front and when it came to mall time they, they get over Rory best, two scores and um, you know, a lot of momentum was building. I think a, a slight turning point as well was Stuart McCluskey went off injured or with an HIA. I'm not sure, really sure what happened there, but he, he went off and the backline struggled to get going, uh, get momentum to go forward. And yeah, fair play to Monster, they made a few changes at half time. They came back into the game and Munster probably in the second half deserved to go back on level terms but again Ulster let a couple of opportunities slip especially in the last few minutes when they, they had a, another try scoring opportunity to get them all set up and they, they lost another line out which I'm sure you might touch on the, the line out was just uh, so so poor all day
2: yeah it was a shame I really thought it was set up for, uh, for us to go, to go on especially after Best scored that second the second of his two tries before half time like you saw the look in his face how much how much you thought that they were set up to win and then yeah as you say Munster came back into it in a very big way but it did like they gave it a good rattle Fez I mean from your perspective that must have been good to see
1: yeah it was really good to see and um, I know there was what 14 changes made in the Munster team from the previous week um, however Thulman Park's a, a tough place to go and get a result and um, you know I think they really dug in well they, they, they did themselves pride. they um, you know were absolutely busted I think John O'Gibson's in his post match interview said all the guys were exhausted in the change rooms post game and I suppose that's all you can ask for um, and they didn't let themselves down, and you know, they knew they had a slight outside chance of of getting into the the top three. But you know, obviously Edinburgh got the result anyway, so that didn't really matter. Um, come the end of the game, but look, it was a good it was a good effort. Um, just the line it didn't function, and you know, if they're the Ospreys are going to come to town in this playoff match in a couple of weeks' time, they're going to have to get that ironed out for sure.
2: Uh, are you encouraged to hear that they seem to have a new coach signed up for next season
1: yeah it's it's amazing because in years gone by it always seemed to have been leaked out you know at some stage and everybody has a good idea of who the coach is going to be but um, I'm not sure if you guys have heard and I haven't but I have absolutely no idea who is, who is coming in there's been a few names banded about but nothing seems to be concrete so for Bryn Cunningham to come on at half time um, and be interviewed and say that the new coach is signed and sealed and um, not yet delivered but he, he will be here come next season is really really good news and um, it's music to every Ulster fan's ears because there's just been so much turmoil over the last number of months and um, to have something like that with a bit of stability I think because it's their primary target I think that they have seemed to get signed up so um, yeah it's good news for Ulster for sure
0: Sorry Fez Jimmy here I was just going to say if you haven't heard that like they certainly have kept on the wraps but you have if you were a betting man where would you go?
1: Well uh, there was a couple of front runners I heard Andy Friend was um lined up for it and then there was the whole connection with Nusifora potentially with that and then the, the other one was um, uh, New Zealand women's coach I can't remember his name now you might be able to enlighten me guys Pat no no no,
0: who you're talking about though yeah, I saw his name the other day yeah. he was yeah. mentioned earlier on um, yeah
1: yeah who obviously Bill Smith would know um, have relationships with Jim Allender Jeremy Davison um, Scott Johnson from the Scottish Rugby Football Union um, Alan Clark's name was being banned at a bit again but he's then taking over the Ospreys head coach job so um, yeah they're, they're the kind of names floating around and to be honest it would not surprise me if any of those names that I've just mentioned aren't you know aren't going to get the job uh, so Look, it's an RFU decision as well because you know the Ulster the Ulster committee and um, the, the CEO and Bryn Cunningham who looks after recruitment can't just go out and make a decision without getting the rubber stamp from the RFU. So I think it's uh, been a joint decision and everybody's very happy um, and that's the words kind of come from Bryn Cunningham
3: yeah it was yeah that New Zealand guy's Glenn Moore um but yeah the the one that Glenn got, Moore, yeah the one that the lads had yeah mentioned to me that that I actually hadn't thought of but makes all the sense in the world is Jeremy Davidson if and maybe that's why they couldn't announce it because you know the the French season isn't over yet like but it'd be absolutely amazing if to get someone like him you know if you're trying to get your Ulster identity back to get someone like Jeremy Davidson would be would be brilliant now I'm not saying it's happened but if if they were to get him that'd be great
1: yeah I worked under Jeremy Davidson for a couple of seasons um before he went back to France again, and you know he's a, he's a big character, um, wears his heart on his sleeve, and whether that whether that was on the on the on the field or in, in the in the coaching setup, he was very uh, you know he put boys in their place very very quickly, and I think um, that's kind of needed. Uh, you know Les Kiss over the last couple of seasons. I was just actually thinking about Les Kiss. It almost it almost seems like years ago that Les Kiss was actually in charge of Ulster and it wasn't that long ago and so much has happened um, within the Ulster rugby set-up um, after he's left but Jeremy Davison would be a hard-edge somebody who would come in and not be scared to rattle a few cages and I think that's maybe, maybe what's needed and what's been lacking over the last couple of seasons is that um you know, everybody is just kind of in their comfort zone um, and to get the best out of some of the lads, especially some of the younger group coming through. Which, if you look at the team sheet over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, I think the last couple of weeks is going to be the foundation for Ulster for moving forward, the the guys on the team sheet. So, um, Jeremy Davidson, Pat, I think, you know, to be head coach, it's a big job. Is he up to the challenge? Well, um, I think he would do a good job.
2: So the next thing you'll be looking at is that foundation that you you referred to. So there's been a lot of talk in Dublin and in Leinster and in Irish rugby about potentially an Irish fly half moving north which would be Ross Byrne or Carberry. Um, Any thoughts on that, Fez? Or do you think that the time should go into developing young McPhillips?
1: Yeah, um, I'm just not sure. You know, I've I've thought about this quite a bit over the last week and... I know there's been a lot of chat about it throughout the media. Um, Joey Carberry, you know, who's obviously playing second fiddle to Johnny Sexton, but yet he's getting no game time. And when he does get game time for Leinster, he's playing full back or out of position. And, um, you know, for, for Joey Carberry to, to retain that spot of being Johnny Sexton's backup, I think he needs to play regular rugby um, is that going to be at Leinster no because Johnny Sexton's is going to be there so uh, Eddie O'Sullivan said uh, it's not like he would be moving to eastern Mongolia he's it's, it's only moving 100 miles up the road so it's not a big deal and I think I think going forward somebody like Carberry could potentially come to Ulster but is he any better than Johnny McPhillips you know Johnny McPhillips is only a young kid and um, so I I just don't know is the answer Um, and again the RFU are the ones that are going to be putting a lot of pressure in this to try and make sure that they have all their options covered
3: I'd say I'd say Carberry is better than MacPhillips as as good as McPhillips is but um, I I think it could work out if they were to get someone like Carberry ahead of um, you know ahead of Burn you know at least Carberry he could you know get that time at 10 but then he's going to be called off for Ireland so McPhillips would then have the time to kind of get some game time as well so in terms of like how things might work out to benefit Ulster and Ireland the most I think Carberry would be the the one to go I know you said Burn before yeah, I'd it?
0: be Stevie I'd be of the like England that if Ulster had a choice that they'd nearly look at, at Burn perhaps because Byrne's going to be there like he's more consistent sometimes I think um, than Joey and he's there like when, when Johnny goes they play they play Burn, you know and when the two lads go there's Burn. so if Ulster do lose uh, if Carby went there and he left then okay McPhillips is going to get game time yeah which is good but you've got Byrne who's there and he kicks well and he's very reliable and everything he does is extremely good and solid so I would have actually thought that I'd prefer a Burn type player
1: if you look at the if you look at the Leinster squad and you know Johnny Sexton isn't going to be around for the next you know five six years you know, he's going to be hanging the boots up at some stage over the next couple of seasons you would you would you would think so from Leinster you know who does Leo Cullen want yeah. as his ten in two years time to take to drive his Leinster team forward so you know you, you kind of gotta you kind of gotta weigh up everything and it's not just all about Ulster here it's also about Leinster because they're not going to want to let two of their you know best players go just to fill
2: a spot up in Ulster and I think it's a tricky situation. Mm. There's the uh, now in positive news, the Geordie Murphy signing is continuing to look like a good bit of uh, business for Ulster because if you think about Daisel, Ulster Ulster Geordie, uh, and perhaps you know who who do you want to put in that final spot in the back row, whoever you put in from the resources up there already. Never mind new recruits. That's going to look very handy and put a very good edge in that pack fest because I know you've you've talked to us before about that Ulster pack not being as mean as it could be. That's a nice little thing to have. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Um, but you, you take a, you take the three players that have been injured for Leinster, um, and you take Jimmy Heaslip out of it, and you take Sean O'Brien out of it, and you just put in Jordy Murphy. And you put in your Josh Brandt Flair's injured, so you put in Dan Levy, and it's just there's always somebody there that can fill the boots. But if you take out Marcel Couttsia out of Ulster's back row, and you take Sean Dysle out, he's actually been pretty good this last few weeks until he does anterior cruciate ligament um, a couple of weeks ago. So you know, I just think yes, it looks brilliant if you have you know could see you, you have Jordy Murphy, and you have either Nick Timoney or Sean Reedy. Mm. Um, playing open side then it looks brilliant but then you just take one of those guys out with an injury or take two guys out with an injury I still think they need to work hard on their strength and depth and it will surprise me if they if they look for another signing, um, in in the back row, second row, just to make sure and bolster the squad for next season. But yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it's a very tasty back row if you if you keep them all fit. But that's uh, easier said than done in, in modern day rugby.
3: They could bring in your old mate James Haskell, Stephen? I think he's on, he's on the go, isn't he? This summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it would be good for squad morale. I think he'd be uh, he'd be a good guy to have around the change rooms. Uh, but yeah uh, I'm not sure I think they'd be looking to bring in somebody a bit younger um
0: uh, like uh, so- someone, someone said Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no more staffers
2: <laughs> the, um, listen uh, before we let you go um, we talked earlier on in the show about uh, Dunicode Callahan, and John Muldoon retired retiring. Uh, played their last bit of rugby this week um, anything that comes into your head when you think of those two names
1: ah oh, Steve Sam um. Uh, John Muldoon's just hard as nails, so durable. Um, you know, a nightmare to play against when uh, when you were playing against Conard, Um, You know, obviously was involved in a lot of camps with them over the years. Uh, with, with Ireland and Ireland Day, and um, even you know, big punters is just. Uh, I just thought he was going to keep playing I thought he was going to be the first uh, rugby player to play rugby until he was 50 years of age uh, he just uh, keeps trucking away he keeps his body in good shape but they're just two good guys you know and I think um, they'll go into retirement well you know John Muldoon he's, he's going to move into coaching Donico O'Callaghan, I'm not 100% sure what he's doing but he's he's him uh, he's in the media more and more so um, I think I can say you know I wish them both very well in the, in, in the retirement but Two really, really good lads, two fantastic rugby players who were tremendous servants to to uh, to con it and, and to Monster and for Dunners moving on and finishing the last couple couple of years of his career away in Worcester. So, you know, fair play to the two lads and um, I wish them well.
2: That's well said. Stephen Ferris, thanks for joining us in the hard yards
1: Thanks very much, lads.
2: Yeah, that was a good chat with Fez. Um one thing we haven't touched on yet is the miracle route for Ulster so right now they missed out on getting into the Pro 14 Mm -hmm. playoffs they are into a Champions Cup playoff versus Ospreys and they would be at home which is important Mm. Uh, but there is a miracle route so what is the miracle route that people have talked about it is the final 20th place in the Champions Cup and this is going to take a second so trap yourselves in There is a way that Ulster can still get automatic qualification for the Champions Cup and there's a way that Ulster fans should remain uh, interested in rugby this weekend, even though they're not in the playoffs. (laughs) How does it happen? Firstly, you need to work through the rules on the Champions Cup. Leinster need to win the Champions Cup, right? That's a given. As well as that, you need a team to win the Challenge Cup final that have already qualified through their league right so this is Cardiff versus Gloucester Cardiff are already in Gloucester are currently in 6th in the premiership in 56 points and Sale are just behind them on 54 so this weekend Ulster fans you want Gloucester to win at Saracens or Sale to get beaten by Leicester either way you want Gloucester to qualify in 6th now if that happens right so you're adding on to your accumulator um, you want all the losing Challenge Cup semi-final teams to also have already qualified which means Newcastle, you're grand, they're safe in fourth but the top fourteens where it gets really interesting. So you've got Poe in eighth on 62, Larichelle are in seventh also on 62, Castor in sixth on 64 and Leon in fifth on 66. You need Poe to beat Toulon who are also fighting for the second seed and a buy into the uh, sammys mm-hmm. up there so yeah there's a lot going on but if all those things were to happen mm-hmm. right so if Gloucester and Poe were to finish in their top six then uh, you need Leinster to win the Champions Cup if all that happens then Ulster would I think almost certainly get through <laughs> as an automatic if I've got this right Okay. Or, or you can just beat the Ospreys or you could just beat the Ospreys no, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that would be good uh, yeah so you could see both Ulster and Ospreys go through potentially well, Ospreys would go through too would they? if, so if <coughs> then if you had Ospreys beating Ulster in the playoff if the playoff were to take place we don't know that's oh the thing that God. isn't written down would the playoff take place if both teams were already guaranteed to go through I don't know there you go. Just put the cheetahs in. The lads Champions have actually fallen asleep here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to the next bit. So we've got next weekend rugby monster play Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Earlier on in the season we'd have said that was a fairly handy one for a monster. It is no longer a handy one. Uh, hat tip to Simon Thomas from Wales Online. who pointed out that the only teams to win at least 15 games in the Pro 14 were the two Scots teams. Glasgow and Edinburgh. Oh really? Yeah. Yep they both won 15 games yeah. no one else won that many Edinburgh have been on a hell of a run yeah they've uh, they've got that little bit of dog
0: about them that kind of Leicester-esque that Cockrell's brought Cocker-esque <laughs> yeah yeah but it seems to be um, seems to be uh, something that steelness he's brought into that Edinburgh side um, I watched them against Glasgow at the weekend and very impressive um, like you know I think these matches are, like they've brought they've always had a, a decent defensive side like I think um, and Glasgow always get the plaudits for the open rugby that they play, but very impressed with how Edinburgh actually played at the weekend. Um, threw the ball around, but ultimately your success is going to be built on your defence. And I was very impressed with uh, uh, what Cockerell's done to them. And just given that, as I said, a little bit of steel up front um, that adds in, into it. And I think people forget about Edinburgh, and I think they actually take a lot of teams uh, by surprise. Sometimes don't know teams give them the respect they deserve. Um, same with some of the Italian sides not saying that they're as bad as that now but I do think that people do kind of just treat them with a little bit of admiration okay we should we should get a win here you know
2: well they, they have been a soft touch at time yeah. especially like you know when they've been playing in a you know 3,000 people at Murrayfield that kind of thing where it just it seems mm-hmm. a bit of a joke there's not much of an occasion Um, but yeah they're good right now they're good but Munster are 10 point favourites with the bookies this weekend that's a big one. That's a big
0: one. Um, but again, you're talking. You're taking into account the Holman Park factor. You're taking into account. You'd expect some of the players to 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 come back in. Fez mentioned it there. Fourteen changes. Um, it was quite it was quite a, a like a second string team. You know, was at rest. So resting some of the boys, the Edinburgh boys then would be well hardened, having played a, a Glasgow derby, uh, or sorry, um, Scottish, no, Scottish derby, and. Look, and they've got the they got the win in the 1872 cup. They won that, so they'll be buying from that. And it's kind of a, it's a contrasting uh, uh, they've contrasted with the, the how they selected each week. You know, one's rested, and one's kept playing their their front team. So, mm-hmm. um, I, look, I, I still expect Munster to get across because they've kind of been there. They've done that. Edinburgh haven't been there for a while. They'll have that nouse into cup rugby and the home factor again
2: ok so that game is going to be on Sky Sports TG Car and BBC Alba um, now very quickly the other game is an absolute corker Pat <laughs> Scarlet's and Jesus.
3: Yeah, that should be good, shouldn't it? I think, um, uh, yeah, That's is that the
2: Friday? Is that on Friday night or is that... They're both on the Saturday. Saturday as well. Yeah. And did they cr- clash or did they... No, so it's it's Munster Edinburgh is 3.15 on Saturday and uh, Scarlet Cheetahs is, is 6.35. Yeah, worth tuning in for, isn't it? Like, Yeah, if you can. So that's uh, the only... S- it's on Super Sport in South Africa and it's on S4C up here. So do yourself a favour. If you can tune that into your dish or whatever, do it because that is going to be an absolute cracker of a game. Scarlet's are down as 14-point favourites, but that could be... like. 60-70 points <laughs> in that That'd game be a nice open, open game wouldn't
3: it yeah, oh yeah See, Ty Burn again at the weekend had a line out steal and then finished off a few phases Couple later for race. a try
2: yeah, yeah. yeah he's unreal. real he's done pretty well um, one thing I will note the, uh, if Munster do get through right or whoever got through from that game uh, Leinster played the week directly after the Champions Cup final that hasn't worked out well always in the past
3: yeah, especially if they win. Well, like, they won't be complaining if they win, but to mm. go from that
2: high to then go and, you know... Either way, yeah, it's, um, you're, you're trying to top off one peak performance with trying not to slip up the next week. Uh, right, uh, we will look at some of your fan questions next. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. Welcome back to the Hard Yards We're going to take a look at some of your social media questions now Thanks to everyone who sent them in Be sure to follow us on Twitter at thyrugby and use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to get a question in for next week's show First one uh, from Gifts and Rugby and Stuff uh, If Mashno and Sargeski are out where would you set the handicap for the final? Handicap was at 8 points that's where it is hasn't really uh, moved too much in the last couple of days I don't think could be wrong Mashino out a huge yeah
0: that's the big one I don't, I, I don't think I w- I'd worry too much about Sargeski off because he was
2: only on the bench anyway it, well he's he's part of a dovetailing hooking duo yeah. but Mashino has been a game winner all on his own um, for a club and country and he's a mm. kicker as well so yeah. it's like you're talking I, huge you know I mean he must be I'm, I'm not sure of anyone on either side and I include Jonathan Sexton in that um, who could have impact this game more by being out
3: yeah, oh. t- I, was just, I was just kind of thinking. Yeah, does that mean Carter starts? then you know, like, a, yeah. does that mean Pat Lambie gets dropped or moved somewhere else in the back line And um, yeah, they could have to rejig it because they need the, you know, if you're gonna, they just need to rack up the points. And Mashinga was great for just giving you the, like, even as he did against Munster, killed them with kind of penalties as well to kind of stretch that lead. So um, they could have to make a good few changes if he's out then. Yeah, who's the, the backup nine
2: offhand? Oh Jesus! No no my, oh, I'll my, tell you my, in the next my blank, 60
0: seconds there's two of them <laughs> I know but that's what I mean like no disrespect to whoever it is but I'm sure we've got now like ingrained on the brain and then to have someone else of I don't know who it's going to be to step up you know it's a,
2: it's yeah. a, it seems to be a big a bit of a drop off um, but I'm thinking of like the, you the, the Leicester game in the pool yeah. like, you know just his level of performance has been so so good yeah. um, he's also very unlucky I mean he he was well unlucky is he was sent off in the big uh, uh, now camp final of the top 14 mm-hmm. in the same season he went off with concussion didn't he in yeah. the oh, yeah, Champions okay. Cup final okay. oh, it's wait. like there's another final he's going to miss and this season I think he's just been he's been absolutely superb um, so yeah it, great for Leinster uh, you know huge bit of luck uh, Xavier Chauveau and Teddy uh, Baron. yeah I didn't even try to pronounce that, James, so don't even start Teddy anyway. doesn't
3: even have his own Wikipedia page, so I don't really have
2: that much faith in <laughs> him at the moment. Um, yeah, for the occasion, it's a loss. It is, yeah. yeah. For Leinster fans, brilliant. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. yeah, it's just- um, similar theme, Colin Megan asks, did James Lowe play himself out of the Champions Cup final? Well, if you treated the game out West as a potential trial to get into a Champions Cup final squad, he didn't do well. No, no, he was... Um, yeah, he, was, he had a pretty poor game... Um,
3: you know, like uh, he's still a great guy. You know, great talent to watch when th- teams are going forward. But there's always been question marks about his defense as well, and um, just kind of a haphazard performance he put in. Um, like I think he was a fault for um, even the first try. Like I know the, some people would say Lenser should have defended stronger at the Rooks but um, he kind of rushed out of the line, all or nothing tackle, and, and missed it. Like so, he had to kind of own that one as well. Gave the intercept pass away as well. And I was saying there's another time where he just got stepped. Um, I think it was either by Tom Farrell or. or no O'Halloran, and you could just see him pointing to Carberry as in, I've just missed him, you tackle him next, like you know, and had jogging back as well. So, um, yeah, like considering that he's still in there, like you know, if they can get Luke McGrath fit back again, like Lowe is in with a shot, like but he, uh, he did himself no favours at all at the weekend.
0: Yeah, it was extremely casual, that's what that's what I'd put it like an extremely casual performance from him, just how he just kind of went about it but it wasn't just him I think we kind of didn't really touch on it before but the Leinster performance Leinster actually don't have a great record in the sports grounds you know Mm. and they don't like going there they normally change the team an awful lot
2: Soft city boys from Dublin is it? Coming (laughs) down yeah
0: Um, but look I think it's just a bit of a mindset thing that Leinster can show this can be a kick up uh, the ass for them that Look, we can't switch off we're not uh, don't believe all the stuff you're reading about or, or, or people are speaking about you to bring him back down to earth now, and it's it'll be used to beat them now in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah, that was it. Like, I just uh, one of the things as well just like you saw. Maybe Gavin Thornbury was the standout uh, second row down there. You know, compared against Maloney and McCarney as well. And then Dennis Buckley was getting on top of Andrew Porter, and Porter's coasted through his career so far. And this was a day where they were getting in his face, and he was making a few mistakes and giving penalties away. So a few lads there who might have thought that you know this rugby game was easy has found that it's it's not so as well.
2: Hmm. Okay, Um, Good one here from uh, Sean Mailiff. I hope I pronounced that right, Sean. Um, With the increase in injuries and concussion, is it time to put an extra back on the bench? Ireland have been forced to play Marmion on the wing a couple of times due to the current rule. Um, We are interpreting this as being we need an extra slot on the bench that would increase squad size. Yeah, and 24th. Man, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so
3: nine on the bench, isn't it? Yeah, there's eight already, so nine yeah. on the
2: bench. So be up to twenty-four. Um, I guarantee you, within a couple of weeks of this happening, some team's going to go with like a seven-two split or something like. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I think e- even in uh, in the UBL, you have five subs, and you can make kind of interchanges. I know people are going to compare and say rugby league yes but you can make a certain amount of changes so you can bring guys on and off and on and off and rest players Hmm. and you have whatever amount of of subs you can make so maybe I wouldn't increase numbers certainly not Um, but maybe if you could kind of I don't know. People are always going to manipulate the rules as much as they can or play within the rules or close to the edge. And I think that if you shorten them, then you could make those kind of, you know, someone's looking a bit, needs a break on and off, just give them breaks and it
2: works. I'd actually, I'd almost go the other way. I'd be interested in arguments to reduce the number of subs. Yeah. You know, because we see an awful lot of people coming in for twenty minutes of a game, and they are just unloading everything, and mm. their professional physique and everything about them, but they're packing an hours worth of hitting at twenty minutes, mm. and that closes down a lot of space on the field, and there's a lot of impacts. Um, but yeah, people are going to ask questions like this. On the point of concussion, um, I would just add: there's been a, a law clarification from the uh, World Rugby this month that just clarified the piece about HIAs, so let's say you have used all your subs well if you have a HIA you can bring on a replacement someone who's already come off and if they have to stay off that player can stay on so there are you know Mm-hmm. there are practical things that are being done around this um, but yeah I, I personally would be against increasing the event be interesting to the yeah.
3: de- French use that in the Six Nations yeah, well, that's Ooh, what I was going to say Jesus you went
2: there <laughs> oh. that did yeah. you were <laughs> thinking it though as well <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, one from Matthew Roddy do you think rugby could ever use an adapted version of the combine or draft system that we see in the NFL maybe have a European draft draft to be interesting for me personally
0: combine no um, because that's promoting um, one off gym uh, bunnies gym, it completely which uh, is relevant to American football because it's so stop start so everything's this impact it's all explosiveness rugby's not it is to a certain degree but it's much more stamina based and you can't you do testing anyway, but I don't think it's right to, for people to be selected on a one-off.
2: Could, could we do it? Could we, could we organise the combine differently? Like, you know, like biathlon, where they have to sort of cross-country ski for ages and then <laughs> calm down and shoot, so we could have them running. Get the heart rate down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> could, Yeah, yeah. A mathematical equations <laughs> or something like that
3: to solve it. when you're when you're going for a run or something. Uh, exactly, yeah. Dra-
2: Jim's going, what do you on? Yeah, but
0: the, the, dra- <laughs> the draft the draft to be interesting. It's not going to happen, but no. it'll be interesting. It's not. It's a uh,
2: there's not enough. The there's nice not enough money in the game
0: for it to make sense. No, and this is where you need um, the big backers of the states and stuff like that, and all this TV money to increase and to get back like uh, like soccer about what was back in the day.
2: Yeah, I did think um, on that subject, so we, we did talk about Carberry and Burns, we're not going to go over mm-hmm. it again, but Bryn Cunningham, um, the comments that uh, Fez referred to, he was talking about, look, there's two sides to anyone moving, even within the Irish system. Mm-hmm. So let alone within the Pro 14 or all of Europe, saying that's quite right for the player, do they want to go and get game time somewhere else? Or this is my province, this is where I live, it's where I've always lived, I want to stay. You need to throw all of that out if you go draft, and it, it, it ain't working unless you're really centralised. It, it could work in an Irish context only, but even then, O'Gara would hate it, wouldn't he? Ron yeah. Would but hate but I think a lot Roger. of players
0: would, wouldn't they? I think it's Do like Roger. it's a good point, and I think it's like if some players were told to go somewhere, and they mightn't want to play for them, and like I think we, we one person we can kind of look at was that like kind of Ian Madigan before mm. he left. You know, he was
2: kind of offered around, and he was like, I couldn't see himself playing there. Couldn't yep. see myself playing there. So it's it's one of it's one of the strengths of the Irish mm. system yep. as well as potentially a weakness um, it's about getting that balance um, last one from Matthew Roddy uh, do you think we should introduce fly on the wall season documentaries like the NFL show all or nothing for rugby you could have a series that follows four teams from across the season and super rugby pro 14 top 14 in the premiership
0: that would be interesting wouldn't it yeah because I, I enjoy hard knocks yeah. <laughs> so that's good and, and, and I saw the a year till Sunday the Galway one um so, uh, yeah, no, that's. Like, I think it'd be an interesting one, but like the <laughs> some tough times in those pre season sessions, I think you'd be more intrigued about them. There'd be some guys hanging.
2: There'd be some fascinating times during the season. Like, I think pre season, yeah. definitely. Mm. And then around that contract time oh, for the fun next see, yeah. season, like the human relationships on that would be interesting. You'd need to see both sides of the. You would. You, I, if they showed it from just a
0: player's perspective. Mm, you'll see one side of the story but it, I'd be interested to hear honest well no they
2: would be honest I guess you're, so you're, you're going to be used to the you need the, you need the management mm. of the club you need the team and you'd need the agent and the agent's going to be representing multiple players as well yeah, and then you get to see how well
0: it wouldn't go that far, but you get to see how you're positioned by your agent with four centres yeah. in your position. Who's he promoting for that? Yeah, I've promoted you. Of course, you have. <laughs> just get back to me.
2: Paddy, <laughs> you're writing the screenplay.
3: Yeah, yeah. There was. Um, I was actually thinking of all the things. I think Sunderland are having a Netflix documentary on their season coming out soon enough. So that'd oh, be, that that's that'd be some good well. fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but they um, there there is because there's was an interesting one even just to see that dynamic. I remember talking to Bernard Jackman before, and he had. He when he was at Grenoble, he had, what he had done the season before was he had let a load of guys know around January, February, we're not keeping you on for the next season, and then their performance levels fell off the cliff. Like, and then the next season he was saying he had to be a bit meaner about it and a bit more sly about it and let lads know like at the last minute we're not keeping you on for next season. Like, and
2: do you know what? If mm-hmm. I was if I was given carte blanche to do that, I wouldn't do it about Leinster, I wouldn't do it about Saracens, I'd do it about Dragons or Zebre or the Kings. You're going to get better stories there. Should I do. It about, I do it mm-hmm. about London Irish fighting off relegation and then getting. That's where the human interest is. Yeah. You know. Um, okay. We like the idea. Not going to happen. Let's shop it around. Let's shop it around, exactly. Right, that's it for this week. Make sure to use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to get a question in for next week. So thanks to Pat, James and Fez, to Al Nakhdan for producing and Shane Dempsey and Fiona Delaney were on production. We'll be back next Monday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get it straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe.